Welcome to Across Oceans, the podcast where we discuss all things related to third culture kids, growing up overseas, and crazy travel stories. We'll discuss the benefits, the challenges, and everything in between, from growing up as a global nomad to where we are now as adults. I'm your host, Julia, and thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the podcast, Enrico. How Hi, you, Julia. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. This is very exciting. I'm interested in our conversation today because you're one of the few Swiss TCKs I have met here as we were both living in Switzerland. And so I think it will make for a very interesting discussion. I hope so. I'm sure there's many things to talk about. I say you're a Swiss TCK because your family is from the Swiss German part of Switzerland, but you were born and grew up mostly outside of Switzerland. Is that right? That's right. I can give you a very quick uh, rundown of my journey. Yes, um, please do. So uh, my father is from Schwyz, central Switzerland, and my mother's side of the family is from Bern. Um, it goes back many generations, um, Swiss, that I, I can't keep track really how far back it goes. Um, but my father's job was in tourism, so he actually had to travel a lot for work, mm, okay. um, advertising Swiss culture and, and Swissness around the world. And so... Um, I was born in Amsterdam, then we moved to London when I was one and a half, two years old. Um, went there to an English primary school for four years um, before coming back to Switzerland for just 10 months um, in Zug, at which point I was speaking English and we knew we were going to be moving straight to America afterwards. Mm. So I spent that year enrolled in the uh, International School of Zug, so the American school system preparing me for elementary school <laughs> and middle school in, uh, in Connecticut in the States for, uh, for about four years. Um, I always get confused if it's four or five because, you know, I was a kid, so I didn't really keep track of it that right, much. Right, of but, course. Um, at that point, when we did eventually return back to Switzerland near Zurich, um, I had been enrolled in that American-style uh, system, an English-speaking system internationally mm. uh, for so long that it made sense to then continue my middle school and high school journey in the Zurich International School. Um, right. And that's where my parents still live there near Zurich, um, but I also then did a brief stint in England for my uh, further education and work. I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that as well later. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, you've definitely had a cross-cultural, high-mobility upbringing, moving between continents and countries within Europe. Um, but even to go kind of to the the origin of you, even people get confused um, with your story just through your name, right? Because Enrico mm -hmm. is a more Swiss-Italian name, right, than Swiss-German? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Eberhard, I think, as a surname, um, is, is pretty pretty central Swiss. It's quite a traditional name, um, and Germans will recognize that name. Uh, sometimes it comes up as a surname in Germany as well, but mm -hmm. uh, in older German, it's also a, a first name for some reason. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Enrico, like Enrico, uh, um, what's, a, what's a good example? Enrico Fermi, the Italian physicist, okay. for example. Okay, yep. Um, that's, that's a, a variant of, I guess, Henry or Heinrich that it just happens that Switzerland's a very small multicultural country. So Swissness is defined by many, um, by many aspects, some Germanic, some French and, and some Italian. Mm -hmm. Um, exactly. so it's, it's, 
it's a small country, but culturally uh, quite complex. Absolutely, that's for sure. Um, one thing you talked about in your story just now is how you were enrolled in an English-speaking school system, and so you that was kind of the theme throughout um, the schooling you did was keeping you in that system. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if you were still speaking Swiss German at home, um, and how does language kind of influence your identity and the way you grew up? Yeah, that's a that's a I think a, a topic we can spend quite a bit of time <laughs> on. So you'll just have to cut me off, but no, it's um, all good. <laughs> I think the idea of of a language barrier uh, in this context is very interesting because I can imagine a lot of the people you've you've talked to and a lot of people who have moved around um, to different cultures growing up, um, they'll have their native language and they have to kind of adjust to the language of the place they're now living. So their their second language is the one that they're in in you know ending up speaking in in these international settings. Mm -hmm. But because um, I was already in that environment from the beginning, you know, really from my very first pre-primary kindergarten in England, uh, in this English-speaking environment. It's not my mother tongue, mm -hmm. English, but it is, for me, my first language, my preferred language. Mm -hmm. um, but at home, with my family, we speak Swiss German. Um, and that made my parents are, you know, incredibly uh, well-traveled, international and intelligent people. So their English is, is fantastic. Um, but when we were growing up, um, it would always be this strange divide between the, the home life and the, the Swiss German I was speaking mm -hmm. at home, which is a very, uh, anyway, Swiss German, if you're not familiar, it's a, um, a dialect of German, um, which is, I would say it's a bit more traditional and old-fashioned. Uh, old it does away with a lot of grammatical rules that German has. So mm -hmm. it, it's anyway a very informal and familial language. Um, and so I was, you know, throughout my school system, making friends, learning subjects, learning science, uh, you know, reading, writing in English and having this um, more familiar, uh, informal language at home with my parents in Swiss German. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that had many consequences, I think, um, which which uh, would be really interesting to get a little deeper into. But I think the the one that I find most interesting is that I had a hard time connecting with especially my extended family mm. growing up, not just because I was away from home, you know, and, and would only visit Switzerland at Christmas and so on, um, but that I couldn't really connect with my with my grandparents um, and even, you know, my peers, my cousins that were my age, mm -hmm. because I couldn't express myself as fluently to... Um, to talk about what I was learning, what I was interested in, right? The and and having more maybe deeper conversations to learn about my grandparents' history mm, and their past, mm -hmm. um, and I always felt that um, on top of being anyway a bit of an introverted child, which you know maybe <laughs> is also a consequence of all this moving around and, and culture shock. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I felt like it definitely kept me from from really connecting and, and learning more about my family. Um, because of this sort of reverse language barrier. Absolutely. That's really interesting because it's not like you completely lost the Swiss German. It's not like you moved away and your parents stopped speaking to you in Swiss German, and which some families do. It's like you get fully immersed into the language of where you're living and, and speaking, and you often forget your native language. You were still using it, but you just feel like you didn't have maybe all of the vocabulary or the, like, deeper 
I guess, connection, connection yeah, to yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, because uh, people who, who learn multiple languages um, are familiar with that, that mm -hmm. you sometimes um, you feel less, uh, less able to express your thoughts. You can say, you can definitely have conversations about normal things and, mm -hmm. you know, say like what you want for dinner and all sorts of things that are normal conversations, but to have really deep, meaningful uh, or difficult topics about, you know, growing up and um, where you want to live, what you want to mm -hmm. do, um, you know, talking about relationships and, and more complex stuff. Uh, it's sometimes difficult to find the words in a language that you don't, you don't use as much. Definitely. I, I can imagine that would be maybe, yeah, frustrating or isolating as a child too, especially if you're, you've experienced all these things overseas that you want to share with your family and then maybe not having the language to do so or even asking them about their lives and and like you said like asking your grandparents more about about them yeah it's uh i think in retrospect um i i definitely wish i had been able to express more you know to my parents that i appreciate mm -hmm. what they were doing for me and that if i was having a difficult teenage experience <laughs> that I was maybe unable to express, or, you know, to tell them everything I was feeling because I didn't feel like I knew the words to express that. And so maybe I kept a bit more of a, you know, quiet distance relationship from, from also my parents. Oh, really? You'd even um, say with your parents? As a result of that. Yeah, like, you know, I never talked about my, um, you know, who I had a crush on or right. <laughs> if I was struggling with homework or stuff like that. I would, I would probably mm -hmm. just keep it to myself. Right. Um, now... I guess one thing worth mentioning on this subject is that um, I also have an older brother, two years older than me, mm -hmm. who went through the same kind of journey mm -hmm. I did. Um, and so my brother also um, in this environment was sort of English first, right? English right. Uh, with your friends, English in school. And so my brother and I would speak English to each other on the school bus or on the walk, you know, to and back from school or if we were doing sports or stuff together. Mm -hmm. um, and then it caused this very interesting um, domestic situation, which, uh, you know, I wonder if it messed me up in, in more ways than <laughs> I realized, but I feel like we're, you know, I'm doing okay now. Yeah, yeah. But basically, my brother and I would speak English with each other because that's the language we, that's the environment we were in together. Mm -hmm. At home, we would speak Swiss German to our parents because that's the language they spoke at home. Mm -hmm. But... There was in my in my young, you know, antisocial introverted brain, there was this weird disconnect where speaking English in front of my parents or with my parents was weird because mm -hmm. they had like a, you know, very heavy Swiss accent, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, I j it felt it felt weird that I wasn't speaking Swiss German with my parents. But at the same time, speaking Swiss German with my brother was super weird right. because he had uh, also like me, you know, more of a more of an accent when speaking Swiss German. So it never felt right mm. to speak the wrong language with the wrong person. And that would lead to this bizarre uh, scenario where if my brother and I were in a room alone, we would speak English. And then if my mother would enter the room or my father, we would stop talking to each other. My brother and I would just, whatever conversation we were having, playing a video game, we would just stop talking because neither of us wanted to speak English in front of our parents. Right. 
not because we get in trouble or anything like my, my parents again were very like supportive and, and kind but mm-hmm. it just felt weird yeah and so that meant at the dinner table whenever we were in a family setting my brother and I would pretty much exclusively speak to my parents but not to each other interesting <laughs> <laughs> wow so yeah. do you think that brought you closer because you were both in this strange dynamic or further apart because you couldn't really have full um, group discussions with your family? Yeah, I I think probably it was a bit more of an isolating experience um, that we we couldn't share these deep discussions as a family. Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result, also my brother and I would mostly speak about things that were more superficial like if we were alone together um which as you know young boys in a household that doesn't happen so much it would be while we were playing you know video games sports whatever Mm -hmm. um and and then those were not the occasions where we talk really about our family dynamics right um so all i can say is i'm grateful for the perspective of having grown up having moved away for university and coming back that um now, for various reasons, I don't have that same inhibition speaking English with my parents or in front of my parents. Right. And I'm also more confident in my Swiss German with respect to my brother. Mm-hmm. And also he's lived in Switzerland now and he's, he's you know, also a very confident adult. <laughs> so we can now have those family uh, conversations. I feel like I'm a lot closer now that I've had a chance to leave home and come back right. than, uh, than we were growing up. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. I often wonder, too, what's just like a facet of becoming adults and like having adult relationships with your parents and kind of changing dynamics as like natural phases of life. And what can I attribute to the specific way I grew up? And I think it's a Mm -hmm. mix of both. But um, in that case, yeah, it's very unique and very specific. (laughs) Definitely. I'd be really interested to know if, if other people who are listening or in your in your network mm-hmm. have had uh, a similar kind of experience with language, um, you know, with their siblings, with their friends and, and with their family. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if you, you know. listened to the last episode, but my friend Matt, he um, is French American and he talked about when he moved to uh, the U.S. for the first time, he learned English for the first time. But now he speaks English so much, it almost is like it's his mother tongue. And he forgets that at one point he really struggled to learn the the language because French was Mm. his first language. And it's almost like this weird thing where it's become his his new first, even though really his mother tongue is French. And so definitely it's something that I've explored on the podcast. And I I'm really fascinated by language because I grew up only speaking English and I did learn Mandarin in school, but my parents didn't speak it. I wasn't really speaking it with friends. So coming from a mono-language background, I'm fascinated by people who grew up speaking multiple languages or even just living in Switzerland. Now, all my European friends have at least two languages, maybe three. and I'm just so impressed and fascinated. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, on that point, you know, um, Switzerland, as I mentioned, is is a very complex mix of cultures Mm -hmm. and as a result also of languages. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, it's pretty common. You would almost say it's expected that a Swiss German person knows at minimum two and usually three languages. So, mm-hmm. you know, German, French, English. And then you maybe throw Italian and Spanish in there. And in the case of my parents, also Dutch. Mm-hmm. So you have these people who are pretty fluent and comfortable in five or, you know, five or six languages. And they're not, you know, th- these are 
families of languages that do um, kind of stay in a very familiar space. So it's not that they're learning, um, you know, more uh, exo-European exotic languages, but still it's, it's something that you just kind of uh, take for granted in the mm -hmm. context of Switzerland. Yeah. And so me as well as, as someone who was learning, um, who spoke English and a little bit of Swiss German, <laughs> you know, I always felt super inadequate um, being only bilingual. Right. Um, so it's all about context. Definitely. And then also another layer, Swiss German doesn't have a written language, right? So yes, that's right. Yeah. When you are writing it, you're writing high German. And so it's like, that's another la layer of, I guess, complexity to, um, the languages yeah. in this I, country. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn, you know, I learned German yeah. in America. Right. <laughs> um, I took German classes in America because Swiss German is not the same as German in terms of the grammar and the rules mm -hmm. and the reading and writing. And I, I, I honestly, I hated that so much because <laughs> um, it was it was really difficult, mm -hmm. again, because my basis was already this very informal, familial mm -hmm. Swiss German. And then having to, uh, yeah, having to kind of learn this extra awkwardness on top, which is the formal German language. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there I'm also now, I think it's just mostly about the confidence to speak a language poorly right. in order to improve. And when I was a kid, I was like, well, I speak English super well. And if I speak another language, I will be perceived as less, you know, fluent and less intelligent. Right. And so I, I wouldn't even make the effort. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's a big part of what's changed is that I am slowly getting better at just being happy to make the mistakes and using that to connect with people and mm -hmm. learn, even if it's, vocabulary to express difficult ideas you maybe take a lot longer to find the way to say it but it's still worth trying to to make that connection for sure yeah well staying on that top topic but um kind of segueing a little bit you returned to switzerland again for high school so you're swiss born but had lived in the states now for a long time bit in, in amsterdam as well how was that moving back to switzerland at that age and that time and as you said, you were going to an international school, not a local school. And how did this play into all of that? Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, the the years I was was back near Zurich were, you know, the more formative years uh, in, in my in my development because they were my sort of teenage years. So 11, 11 years old to 18 years old. Right. Um, and. I mean, it's a beautiful part of the world on the Zurich Lake. It's very close to both the national park and the mountains in the in the southeast and mm -hmm. central Switzerland and closer to where my, my family's from. Um, so on the one hand, I was able to slowly rediscover um, some connections that I, that I had been missing. So just visiting my grandparents more often mm -hmm. and being in that environment um, culturally. Um, on the other hand, my my school, the Zurich International School, was still this very, um, uh, I don't want to say insulated environment because they made a lot of effort to, uh, and a lot of success to broaden, you know, our worldview and give us a lot of um, different perspectives mm -hmm. globally. Um, but in terms of the, the Swiss culture and experience, definitely insulated right. from that. Um, so... I would still be in that in those years if I was at family gatherings, um, 
I would be an observer in my mm. mind, you know. Mm -hmm. I would feel like I would have the experience to to see these traditions at Christmas and, you know, uh, 1st of August, this was National Day. Right. And Easter, um, you know, these, these moments where I could really observe how how my family was interacting. Mm -hmm. But I still, I think, had uh, had some trouble participating in, in organic ways. Right. Um, partly because of that still, the language barrier and still feeling like most of my... Um, most of my time in this international context was, uh, yeah, was still that way because of the, the schooling. Do you think it would have benefited you or been more difficult had you returned and went to like a local high school? Yeah, it's a tough question. <laughs> I think it would have been much more difficult, like uh, emotionally and pragmatically in mm -hmm. the first few years because of the uh, just being forced to go through that adjustment of switching like all your friend groups to mm -hmm. to being the one outsider mm -hmm. um it might have been actually more isolating because relationship with with peers at that age is probably you know more important to absolutely to develop a sense of confidence mm -hmm. and ability um so yeah i'm at least glad that my i did fairly well in school although i started to slack off a bit towards towards the end i got a bit lazy as a teenager but I had really good friends and I had a, had a, a good school experience there, mm -hmm. that international school. Um, but it definitely was, uh, it, it wasn't the experience that, you know, the, the normal Swiss person would, would necessarily go through. Right, of course. Yeah. But you had come back for those years of high school, but then you were motivated to leave again for university in the UK. I was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why did you decide the UK and did you ever consider staying in Switzerland for your studies or did you kind of have that itch to go back overseas? It's a it's a very good question. Um, and not that this turns into, you know, Enrico's therapy session, but um, <laughs> definitely. I think that, um, if, like I said, even though I was living back in Switzerland and feeling, um, well, functionally closer to my family. Mm -hmm. um, in my mind, I still was not Swiss enough. Mm -hmm. And that probably I would have a hard time being in a fully Swiss uh, environment, like outside of the bubble of this international mm -hmm. school. Totally. I, I think also, you know, the Swiss universities, I would have considered ETH Zurich and, and EPFL, um, were also very high-ranking universities um, mm -hmm. and I was worried that one if if the environment was you know different from what I was used to uh, this context maybe you know not everything is in English and and then mm -hmm. also the curriculum is really demanding mm -hmm. I didn't want to risk um, failing because I was I had too much pride you know to uh, to risk that of course, now in <laughs> retrospect, I know that all these courses are taught in English here in Switzerland anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, I didn't really not consider always. that. Yeah. It's not always the case, yeah. yeah. Um, but so it was partly that um, and knowing that I was comfortable in an English-speaking environment and mm -hmm. also the kind of the desire a little bit to, to have some independence and move move somewhere else. Also, yep. for, for people in international schools, you know, this is a... It's a very normal context to go somewhere else for university. Right? You don't necessarily yeah. go to your local um, university. It's it's almost 
I wouldn't say an expectation, but uh, it's encouraged to. It is, yeah, yeah, it's highly encouraged, or I think even just um, going to university in general, like mm -hmm. from in, from international mm -hmm. schools, it's really pushed. It's like alternative paths of trades, or maybe taking a gap year, or um, doing something else for a year isn't really pushed. I felt at least at our school, it was like, no, you you're going to university. Yeah, definitely. And Switzerland actually has a great um, diversity of, of options for further education, including uh, universities of applied sciences and trade, mm -hmm. trade, uh, trade schools and apprenticeships, um, which are themselves uh, really valuable um, mm -hmm. and not something I think that are really all that much considered in the context of international schools. No, <laughs> yeah. and they should be because, yeah, they're very valuable. Yeah. So in the end, um, I went to study in England because, uh, well, it was close enough compared to the U.S., for example. Very true. Uh, and in that sense, also cheaper in terms of fees. Um, mm -hmm. So so more just realistically manageable. And um, yeah, still gave me a chance to be to be independent until almost a decade later. <laughs> I finally had the the self. Uh, What's what's the word? I had the the introspection to think. Well, maybe I maybe I can live in Switzerland. Maybe I yeah. am Swiss enough. Or if I'm not Swiss enough, maybe it doesn't matter. Exactly. But it You're took like... me a long time to get there. And I think it takes those of us who've grown up in multiple different countries. If you decide to go back to your passport country, it can take a long time to come to terms with that. To mm -hmm. either feel enough or feel it's okay. Like maybe I'm not what quote-unquote Swiss person feels like or Canadian but it's okay and you can still live a comfortable happy fulfilled life yeah yeah and um I mean that's that's one of the central themes of, of the podcast I guess is the mm -hmm. um that that sense of where is home and where where do I belong um, exactly but yeah I, I definitely had a lot of insecurities about it that were initially I guess internal and then Afterwards, I was aware of them, but I still didn't know where to put them, mm. which is just that, uh, yeah, I, 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 speaking Swiss German with my extended family, I would always be aware of my accent being different than, than theirs. Mm -hmm. And small, innocent jokes about like, oh, you know, the Englishman returns from overseas um, by, right. you know, by my uncle or whoever. Um, obviously, they're, they're excited and they're proud that, there's, you know, that I'm having this experience. It's not mm -hmm. meant in any... Um, in any, with any malice um, but those would always make me think oh yeah I am I am different and mm -hmm. um, it was easier to stay abroad and not have to face the idea of really being an outsider yes yeah I think that's a huge theme or something I personally resonate with where it's like oh I'm not fitting in this in this place if I go somewhere else like moving to Switzerland I'm not expected to fit in here because I'm not Swiss. I didn't grow up here. And so it's almost more comfortable when there's no expectation to fit in. Exactly. Yeah. You choose to be an outsider. Mm -hmm. And with that comes a lot of freedom as well, because yep. you can do kind of, you can have your mannerisms and your quirks and you're like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, that's just, that's just how, <laughs> that's just how it is done. You know, that's just how it is. Um, but when, when I, you know, I want to present myself as Swiss because um, it's a it's a great country to be from. I'm very privileged to, to mm -hmm. have uh, 
that you know that Swiss passport. Um, but I feel like I would be. Um, I, I would almost be taking advantage of that situation if I presented myself as Swiss, but didn't truly represent mm. it in the in the purest way. And also, I mean, it is also just the truth that you grew up in all these other places. Like, that is still a part of you. Like, you bring these mannerisms from the U.S. and England with you. And so I think just coming to terms, yeah, with the... Exactly. Not not fully or like these yeah I, I i do have knowledge of other places and i yeah. bring those places with me because they are a part of me as well i think letting go of sort of pure ideals and the idea that you know things are binary that you're mm -hmm. you're one thing or you're another thing that's that's yes. a big part of just maturing in general um mm -hmm. and and being more open-minded towards others and towards yourself is that um, everyone's a little different and mm -hmm. heterogeneity is not necessarily um, a bad thing as long as you can mm -hmm. take the best parts uh, of all these cultures and put them together. So Exactly. Especially yeah. in this multicultural world where there isn't just one definition for what a X person looks and sounds and brings to the table, you know? And so I think that's exactly. a really valuable point that you bring up. I have, for example, nothing against the English. Um, I think uh, the <laughs> sense of humor I picked up there is, to me, you yeah. know, I, I love it. Definitely. And there's, there's parts of Swiss humor that I find lacking. Um, and now I, I don't mind um, presenting that combination of, of cultures. I think it, it has its advantages. Definitely. And now you've been back in Switzerland for about three years, living in the Swiss French part, so also another region of the country. Um, do you feel like Switzerland is home? It's getting there, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so after almost a decade in England doing my studies and then working for a bit, mm -hmm. um, I decided to move back home um, around about Christmas of 2019, I thought, okay, London is really draining the life out of me. It's a big city, mm -hmm. uh, people come and go, and there's no, um, there's no sense of belonging after a while. Mm -hmm. And I was at that point also ready to, to really try to tackle this question of, well, if I don't feel Swiss enough, the only way to, to get there is to, to live in the country again. Yeah. Um, and well, it was also an awkward time to move because that's when a global pandemic hit. Yep. <laughs> so um, applications for jobs slowed down a little bit, um, or rather hiring slowed down. But I was really fortunate that I did actually manage to get back to stay with my parents uh, right at the start of the pandemic. Right. And I spent six months, five and a half months over the whole summer living with my parents, working remotely for my job in London. Oh, wow. Um, before I finally landed a, uh, landed a new job um, at EPFL as a, as a researcher. And it was, for me, those transitional months were um, very impactful. I know the pandemic was a different experience to everyone and um, probably shed a lot of light on people's work-life balance, mm -hmm. their family dynamics, mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of things. Um, and I was very fortunate to have the this, this space to to live um, 
with my parents with enough space to still feel like I wasn't crammed in, but <laughs> um, to actually get that closeness back okay. that I had been, well, maybe lacking and, and with, the, with the distance that I'd had from studying abroad, um, yeah, I got way more comfortable mm -hmm. just having conversations with my family that were deeper, you know, in the context of a global pandemic and yeah. applying for jobs and, you know, uh, all this stuff that comes with it. Um, that's also when my brother and I and my family would were speaking, I guess, more openly. Mm -hmm. And uh, that together with now the three years here in the west part of Switzerland, I think, have made me both appreciate the, the value that family brings mm -hmm. that I took for granted in my youth. Mm -hmm. um, just the ability to go for a weekend, uh, you know, have dinner with my parents. Mm -hmm. and um, As you were this weekend. <laughs> As I was this weekend, yeah, I just got back. Um, uh, but it's still interesting to me that the job I found was was at EPFL in Lausanne, because mm -hmm. I still now have this this sort of in between phase where I'm still not fully, fully back in my Swiss German roots right. with my family. I'm only three hours away, but it's still it's still a place where I can say, "Oh, sorry, my French isn't so good. Right. Let's switch to English." <laughs> True. Right. <laughs> So, step by step, step you by know? step. Um, I think at some point it would be nice to to move back towards Zurich and then really be, uh, you know, in in music groups with with local Swiss German people right. and and be speaking that that language um, more deeply. But I've enjoyed the opportunity also to get to know this completely other side of of Switzerland, which, as we mentioned, culturally very complex yes. despite being so small. Yes, exactly. Culturally and yeah, even another language. And like you said, maybe there's still a little bit of youth that's um, more comfortable being the outsider because. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it's the are. same, you know, with, with public speaking or entertaining or performing. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier to do that with a crowd of strangers than with a few close friends. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. There's the whole psychology of humans. The, that is the underlying of all of this. Um, well, speaking of performing, you have an album, and it might not be, you might not see that it's relevant to bring up, but it's called Colors of My Mind, spelt C-O-L-O-R-S for colors. <laughs> did you have yes. to decide, did you have an internal debate on how to spell color with your own up both in the American and British school system, or were you pretty pretty uh, confident that C O L O R is how you were going to spell it? <laughs> no, it's it's a mess. International <laughs> English. I can never decide. I still honestly have a hard time deciding. And the the worst part, it's people who are bilingual will know this. Um, you end up sometimes speaking a mismatch mishmash of of your languages so german english you'd call it denglish right. or french english is franklish yep, yep. right um and it's the same with british and american mm -hmm. english that i will i will use maybe the o u r or o r consequently in in one way but then i would spell you know colorize or uh, whatever right. i s e instead of i z e or i would say z and z yep. randomly flipping mm -hmm. flopping you i just... i don't know which one to stick like choose to. your own and adventure each time it's different yeah. <laughs> so no matter which way like which locale my spell checker is set to mm -hmm. there will always be words that are underlined yeah. wrong um 
I, I think for at least um, like academic writing and um, now in the context of my tech uh, software work, I've chosen American locale, American English as kind of the default. Okay. But some of my devices are still on, on British English and um, yeah, it, I, it's, I still get confused. Yeah, totally fair. That's the answer I expected that you're confused and it can't come out how, however it comes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, since you since you brought it up, colors of my mind, C-O-L-O-R-S uh, on Spotify, <laughs> feel free to, to look it up, dear listener. Yes, um, I will link it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was more of an art project. It's it's very it's very artsy. It's very moody. But um, a big theme of that album actually for me was also um, that was post. Uh, there was a year after I moved back to Switzerland. My first year in Switzerland, and a lot of the themes are actually about um, distance, mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of trying to tr trying to be at peace with being away from something okay. that was partly because I was missing some parts of um of England but I was also kind of maybe retroactively also thinking about um you know being away from home as I had been mm -hmm. previously um so there are there are some emotional themes in that album that that relate I think to both a post or a during pandemic experience, right. <laughs> but also to a to a sort of a some level of homesickness. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I've I've listened to the album in preparation for this, but also before, and I I definitely picked up on some of those themes. And was wondering if you'd ever expand on any of these like identity themes in music, or do you use music to work through things like this? I, I think I think art and expression in all forms is is invaluable to um, to embody and share that human experience mm -hmm. in ways that you know casual small talk will never <laughs> arrive at. Yes. Um, so whether it's discussing things deeply in a podcast or writing a poem mm -hmm. or um, you know recording a song, I think uh, everyone's journey in life is is different, and it's worth taking a moment to. Uh, to try and capture the feelings that it that it uh, gives you, and and to try and uh, recreate those feelings in 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 the observer or the listener. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, for me, that album was really uh, there. There are some maybe mellow and and sad tones mm. throughout it, but I was not sad recording it. Right. I wanted to create. Um, an experience for the listener to be to be drawn into that mindset, sort of introspective and mellow. Um, but for me, it was really a, a very positive and liberating thing to to try and take these little slices of life, these these experiences, and and sort of amplify them in a way that are not necessarily true retellings of my own experiences, but right. capture those feelings that were very mm. real to me. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, I'm I'm always happy to see um expressions of of unique journeys and experiences through through art and for me music is one of mm -hmm. those one of those ways absolutely well that is very interesting and i think cathartic and i agree that art in whatever form and 
just enhances the human experience and enhances the ability to connect and we'll definitely be linking the album and thank you so much Enrico for coming on Across Oceans um yeah thank you very much for having me Julie it was a pleasure thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed this podcast consider sharing it with a friend and rate us five stars we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify If you want to follow along and be updated on when future episodes get released, follow us on Instagram at Across Oceans Podcast, where any inquiries can be emailed to acrossoceanspodcast at gmail.com. I'm your host, Julia, and thank you for tuning in.